Bob Dylan once wrote, the times, they are changing. Ron Burgundy had never heard that song, Vardy. But Rob Blake apparently has. <laughs> this is Caro. How are you tonight, my friend? Much better now that we have an Anchorman intro. To the- I was not expecting that. It had to be done. Had to be it done. had to be done. I'm just trying to figure out if this is a... Because we got a lot of feedback on our last episode. Some really liked it. Some said it made them contemplate life. Others said it made them sad for several hours, but a lot of feedback. And I'm just kind of wondering what the tone of this one is going to be, but there's one way to find out. (laughs) It's to get the ball rolling here. Obviously the big news, the biggest news of all. The Edmonton Oilers streak ending. See you next time, folks. (laughs) No, Todd McClellan relieved of his duties. Before we get into all this, what was your surprise level? Because we had kind of tweeted out, almost maybe half-jokingly, that the biggest save Dave Riddick made in the Nashville game was Todd McClellan's job. Clearly, big save Dave couldn't make that one. (laughs) Obviously, too tall an order for him. So what was your initial reaction to the firing? And then we can kind of get into the weeds with this thing. Um... Not terribly shocked. Not terribly shocked because of just how bad things had been going. And the cliche is always you can't fire 21 players. It's much easier to fire one coach. I was wondering if uh, we can get through the episode without saying nope, that. But I'm nope. sorry. Two this minutes. is not possible. Cool. Carry <laughs> it's, on. <laughs> it's a pretty good run. It's a pretty good run. Um, But it's 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 true. And you and I very much have been on the record saying that we didn't think firing McClellan was a necessary thing for much of this season because there had been a big outcry about get rid of Todd. He's never going to be the guy. He's never going to be this. And and we, we kept saying, yes, there are certain things of his coaching style and of the way that this team is being uh, managed at the moment that we're not big fans of certain roster decisions in and out that we're not big fans of pairings lines that we're not huge fans of that being said the results up until oh roughly december 9th or so were were too good to make that kind of argument that you needed to fire McClellan for this team to take the next step to be a championship caliber team. Again, I I point back to their success last season, having the second most successful regular season in franchise history. That earned Todd a one-year extension just before this season started. And despite any shortcomings that may have been happening from the roster, namely from Pierre-Luc Dubois and his very, very, very uh, poor play up until this point, the team had been doing really well and not just lucky well, like actual advanced metrics, eye test, every which way you looked at it, up until the first week of December, they were playing well and did not look like a flash in the pan. So... I thought that they had gained enough rope 
that maybe that was going to get taught through this and and Blake's press conference towards the end of January seemed to indicate as much but things change fast and I think for every game that the team lost Rob Blake kind of looked at his own situation a little bit and felt that something needed to change if there was any hope in salvaging this season. And that's ultimately, I think, what it comes down to. Everything Todd had done up until this point, right, wrong, or otherwise, and any good results he had made, basically got burned away in a, in a two-month span, I think. Which is sad. Which is sad, because I think most people will tell you that he's a good coach. The yeah, results... across the board. Across the right. board. Anyone right. who's played for him, anyone who's inside the league or considered an insider right. in the league has talked to people that have relationships with him will tell you that. And I don't I don't just mean like he's a good person, which is also a very, very common through line. I'm talking like he's a good hockey coach. I, it, like you and I, when we talk, whatever, I think last time we spoke about this being a possibility, I kind of circled the Buffalo game. Right. And, and we kind of mentioned, okay, well, if they lose to San Jose and Buffalo, I think that's that's when you have to do it. Right. They didn't. Um, and so that's why it surprised me. They didn't, and I mm -hmm. think that's when Rob Blake kind of said it's not happening. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's or around the same time. So that's why I was surprised by it. But after it happened, or after it settled in, I was not. It, it wasn't mm -hmm. a, right. It's not a shocker. You understand right. that it has to happen. It's nothing to celebrate, in my opinion. He, this guy deserves a lot of credit for a lot of things, including coaching and navigating this team through a retool or a rebuild, whatever you want to call it. Eating a lot of shit in losses, in poor play, bringing along young players who have spoken highly of him. Um, Gabe Velarde included, who's who's credited Todd for changing his game quite a bit, especially on the defensive side, mentioning how Todd is the one who really hammered home how important it is to be a good defensive player, and that's when it kind of a, a flip kind of switched for him in that this is how I need to stay in the lineup. Flip kind of switched or switch kind of flipped. Either is way, that, works. is that what I said? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that said, you have to understand the move, of course. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, the Kings had no other moves. That's really what right. it comes down to. You have no right. options. You can't trade anyone. You can't call anyone up for the most part. So so that that that's the one thing. That is the one thing that I will I will say. I, I don't know if this would have saved his gig. I don't know. But I do think that looking at it now, I think that maybe he was trying a bit too hard to have a steady hand and be persistent with kind of the same thing. And, you know, this is the team that was winning earlier in the season. This is the team that can win again now when perhaps if he had been bolder with certain moves, maybe this could have been avoided. I think there's certain roster players that he was very keen on flipping in and out for one another and hoping that that would do something. But he was hesitant for one reason or another to make more significant changes, whether that was out of respect to the players or respect to 
what he thought the team was going to eventually look like, you know, if they were going to go back to resembling the team from earlier in the season. I think Maybe. that's the one, it could even that's be the a, one point. the vision of the GM, right? Like that, that that's another, again, it, we don't certainly know. true, certainly yeah. true, but we don't know the, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not speaking about people are going to, again, they're going to be like, Hey, you should have benched Dubois. And I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking things as simple as look, if you're willing to, to put Spence and Clark in and out for each other and, and Jad in and out. And you are okay with having already Kaliev sit six games in a row on the bench. Like maybe you take England out a game or two since he's consistently getting burned and, you know, having these goals scored against him. So that's, that's the one thing that I will say that I think he tried to do the changes that he tried to make in my mind were minor and he was hoping that that would be enough to to jumpstart things to get get them over this little bit of a hump but i think he was afraid to do what he i guess considered a drastic move or a more drastic move than that here's my thing man when a coach gets fired all across the board it's usually because the top guys aren't producing 100% it's because the top end guys, the guys that make the most money, that eat the most minutes, aren't getting it done. Right. So you, and I don't disagree with you. I think you're right. Like the England one is so, like everyone's almost like up in arms, right, about that. And I'm not discounting that. But I think it's, I was going to say with their play, the team kind of, these top players kind of tell you it's time for a change, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was the case, but the fact of the matter is, Todd is fired because the top players, the top paid guys on this team didn't get it done in the last 20 whatever games it was. Right. And that's that's the truth of it, man. Like, we can talk, and I again, I agree. This, like, Kaliev stuff, Jad, like, Spence, Clark, it's all very muddy, and a lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <clears throat> but... That's certainly not why Todd McClellan was fired. I'm not, and no. I'm not saying you're saying that or anyone else is saying that. Right. I'm just saying like maybe there's too much focus on these little fringe things he could have done differently. I don't think he was going to save his job. That's my main thing is I don't think these little things were going to save his job at this point because the big boys, the guys that carry you weren't playing well consistently or even – at all, almost most of the time, right? Um, that's not to say this roster was perfect and the you know the big guys just weren't performing. And then that's no, there's a whole lot of imperfections in this roster, a whole lot of imperfections in McClellan's player usage, player deployment, all that stuff. Agreed. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, like the Nashville game, I'll go back to that for a second. Yeah, they won, but man, nothing about that game sparked or should have sparked any kind of confidence in anybody no. about where that team ended the the or went into the all-star break like it was just it's a win it but it's not sometimes <laughs> i'm gonna go to white man can jump on this <laughs> sometimes when you win you actually lose and mm. that was that game was ugly the third period was a disaster I mean, Dave Riddick made saves, but 
you want to if you want to argue the post thing fine does that mean dave was in the right position and all he gave him was post whatever natural fired off like six shots off the goal post right and they were pressing right. they were pressing right. and you know what even if they shot those wide man they were high danger chances exactly and the king they and the kings in, they were in the spot to make those shots in the first place the kings were in trouble they were on the ropes and all they did is survive that's literally mm -hmm. all they did so yeah the, the win wasn't enough, clearly. And I'm pretty sure Rob had made his decision even before the result of that game. Yeah, I, I feel, again, in hindsight, I feel, even though it, it didn't happen immediately after this, I feel like the decision was made after that San Jose-Buffalo combo. Yeah, maybe. That's, that's just so hard to come back from, man. That's so hard to come back from. That is such a deflating... And then you've got, you know... You've got Dowdy speaking up after that. I mean, the the cracks are so huge at that point that it's really hard to just hope that a bye week and some time off is going to be enough to get this team kind of back together. So I understand why it happened. I understand why Blake felt like it needed to happen. I am sad i guess for mcclellan because i think he genuinely was trying to do what he thought was best for the team and look if you in my mind if you kind of look at like a, a a kind of a what's the word i'm looking like a bell graph here like a bell of like good coaches and bad coaches and then you have another one of like good rosters and bad rosters right like you can have a good coach take a bad roster and make it a decent team you can have a bad coach on a really good roster and make it a really crappy team. I thought in terms of where both the team, in terms of talent and where Todd as a coach kind of lays on that, they were above average in both regards. And they were performing like that for much of the time that McClellan had this roster and was coaching them. So the part that disappoints me is that for whatever the reasons may be, for whatever multitude of reasons, because it's never just one thing, that in such a short period of time, the wheels completely fell off of the wagon for this guy and any progress that he had made with this team now gets just basically, it all goes away, right? Like there's tons of good coaches who get fired. Eventually every coach gets fired and that doesn't make them bad coaches. Otherwise they would never get other jobs elsewhere. Daryl Sutter was a, was a can't win coach until he finally won. Like that's, that's just how it goes. And I, I fully expect McClellan to be back coaching maybe even by next season, honestly. Honestly. If he wants to, yeah. Absolutely. If he yes. wants to. If he wants to. I, I don't think he's going to have any issue getting a job. I really don't. I agree, especially with the way the NHL kind of works with wanting experience and recycling coaches a little bit. But even if right. with that, man, he's, like you said, like, in November, like we were talking about Jack Adams, Todd McClellan, right? Like we were right. talking about if this team continues to roll like this, like you have to consider him. Right. And it, it it's it's an amazing, amazing turnaround. And it, it's yeah. it's one of the most shocking right. things I've ever seen. Honestly. I, and, I agree. Cause it, it, it'd be different. It would be different if the team was bad but they were winning yet they were bad they were winning lucky so to speak but every single 
metric you look at, every single, like they were dominating teams. They weren't just getting lucky. They were dominating teams. They didn't have to rely on the goaltender stealing games. The goalies were playing well. Everything was just working well. And by test metrics, everything showed that they were a good team. And then suddenly they became a good team playing terrible hockey. Some of the worst hockey I have ever seen during like a two-month span. And I can't even call it unlucky hockey. Like they were losing one-goal games, but some of those one-goal games, it was like, you're going to lose this game with the way that you played. They would go up in a game and then just not play well enough to, to keep a lead, and it made no sense. It was such a bipolar performance that I think, in a way, even Todd was kind of at his at his wit's end with it. Like he was just, I I, I got the sense towards those latter press conferences that even he was just resigned to the idea of like, I have nothing left to do here. I feel like I can't get these guys to just snap out of this no matter what I do. Absolutely. And he was resigned to the idea that he was going to get canned. He even said as much more or less yeah. when he, he said, we've poured as much as we can into these guys to the point. Right. And, and if they, if nothing changes, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Like that. Yeah. It's going to show up to work yeah. and do our job, which yeah. For Todd, man, I'll say this. <clears throat> One thing I appreciate it. And, and I think um, Dennis Bernstein mentioned this. He handled the, the media mm -hmm. in a beyond classy way. And I think, and I think even uh, Jesse Cohen mentioned this too, and all the Kingsmen is that it's almost as if when Todd got a question from someone who's not a regular, mm -hmm. or maybe doesn't have the experience, right, to know what to ask a coach in what situation, it's almost as if Todd, in those moments, made the effort to to over-explain or to make them feel good about their question, or. You know, maybe it was a silly question in theory to all these other media people, but right. Todd always went out of his way to be like, this is, I'm going to answer this question so thoroughly for you. So you never feel like you can't ask me another question again. Mm -hmm. So that kind of speaks to what kind of person Todd McClone is. Absolutely a good, yeah, I was going to say hockey man, but that's such a Canadian, <laughs> he, but that's, it's true, man. He, like a, a hockey lifer. And right. a good person and a good dude who pretty much made time for everybody to make them feel right. kind of included in the process. So I hope he's remembered well. I think he will be. I think history will be kind to Todd. I hope so anyway. Um, but it's time to turn the page. And this day, like you said, it was going to come one way or another. Mm -hmm. Moving on from Todd was going to come. Years ago, you and I even speculated that he might be the guy before the guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Jim Hiller's the guy. I'll tell you that, and that's not disrespect to Jim, but you know, when when you make a statement like that, you're kind of thinking of again an experienced guy coming in, knowing right. the buttons to push. Not to say Jim Hiller can't, but Jim Hiller is now the coach of the LA Kings for the remainder of the season. That was made very clear by Rob Blake which is a very interesting statement to make because the first question that came to my mind is what does that say about Rob Blake's future, right? Like that's a very mm -hmm. obvious kind of conclusion or question you could, you could drum up a um, little bit about Jim Hiller before we get into that. He's not 
just to clarify, he's not some guy off the street, right? He's interviewed for coaching jobs in the NHL several times. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. He was WHL CHL coach of the year in 11, 12 assistant to Mike Babcock, been an assistant to Barry Trotz assistant to Todd, obviously. Uh, and as many people have pointed out several times, he's not a quote unquote Todd guy. Mm -hmm. right like or someone that todd has mentored or someone that todd brought in specifically he was an outside voice brought in to coach the offense to coach the power play um and he did a good job for what seemed to be i don't know a season and a half roughly looked like it was pretty good things were going well one thing rob blake mentioned about jim hiller in his press conference is that i think the question is what's the difference between todd and jim hiller and he kind of, it was like a short answer. And he said, they're different people. And I know a lot of people didn't like that answer very mm -hmm. much, but I kind of get the answer mm -hmm. because the idea that you just bring in a coach and nothing's going to change is crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Like something's going to change. The question is what's going to change. And we don't know that. We're going to have to wait mm -hmm. and see. Have to see lineups, have to see the first game, whatever. But I assure you, something is going to change. I just don't know what. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think you're necessarily going to see it in the first game. I would not be shocked at all if Friday the roster, the lineup is exactly as it was against Nashville. Yeah, that wouldn't, I, that wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. Again, this is not a guy, all due respect, I get that he's not a Todd guy, but he's not coming in from outside of the organization I think to a certain extent, he's seen this roster, he's seen this makeup, he understands or has a sense of what works and doesn't work. I doubt that he's just been sitting there, you know, biting his tongue, waiting for Todd to leave so he could show up and be like, okay, this is what we're doing, you know? Yeah. PL, yeah. You're going to center, you know, like, I don't think it's going to be giant wholesale changes like that. And I honestly, I don't think the team would respond well to something like that. I think this team has quite a bit of pride in how they played in the beginning of the year. I think in a lot of ways, they're just as confused as to what's going on out there. And I don't necessarily think that coming in and blowing it all up, even though you're the guy who's been on that bench with them for the last 48 games, right? That's that's I, I don't see how that possibly changes things. I think it's going to be a, a gradual change, which is something funny to say when you've only got like 30-something games to go. But I think it's going to be a more game-to-game -game modification of certain things. Um, I, I don't see them stepping away from the one three one. I don't think so that's either. A, that's such an overhaul to make exactly. mid-season. Well, it's an, it's an organizational thing. That's the same way that's that they're true. coaching in Ontario. And so they're trying to keep that consistency so that guys, when they come up, they can, you know, kind of pick it up and go from there. So I think if people were looking for the one three one to suddenly dissolve, and again, we've had our criticisms of the one three one and how taxing it is and how that re requires quite a bit of your defensemen, I don't see that happening. So I, I respect the question. And I think when people were asking the question, it was the idea of, no, specifically, what's going to change? It, and I think they got a little bit of a snippy answer oh, yeah. from rob he was snippy the whole thing <laughs> he was he snippy was the whole time <laughs> agitated my friend like that's a man i think that's a man who knows yeah 
his yeah, ass is that's, on that's the wall. I mean, he knows that's, that. Yeah. Yeah. And he said yeah. so, right? He, he said, he did. I fully Eventually understand he did, yes. the repercussions yes. of this. Um, yeah. But he had to start it off with like, no, they're different people. Jim likes his coffee black and Todd like cream and sugar, you know? like. <laughs> but then I think he did expand on it more where yes. he said it's the communication style, right? right? It's, it's how you do your one-on-one. It's how you prep. It's how you communicate with your players and all that. Which really, man, that's... I know, again, I know people don't like that answer, but at this stage of the season, like that's going to be probably the difference. Like, 100%. and we got a, we got a question from Eric um, on Twitter. What do you have to see in the lineup on Saturday to signify that we may see something new out of Hiller? Again, that's really hard to answer, Eric. I think it's a fair question. Again, no, I wouldn't be shocked if it's similar Right, maybe like one or two minor right. tweaks, maybe. The best answer I could give you, Eric, is I'm gonna have to watch and see that to real to figure it out. What would it signify a change to me? Honestly, if somehow Clark and, and Spence are both in the lineup, because I'll tell you that this, would be the big one. I'll tell you this. That would be a big one to me. <laughs> Jim Hiller is an offensive-minded coach. This is, I think, everyone knows this, right? Um, and I think if. If there is going to be a, a a slight change, it would be to get more offensive defensemen, more skilled defensemen into the lineup. That to me, if he does that day one, I'll be like, oh, okay, like mm -hmm. something. There's a philosophical change here, mm -hmm. with potentially how the team is wants to play, going the other way, transition, leaving their zone, all that stuff, right? Like that would be the big one for me. Um, but other than that, it's a wait and see. Because really, like, what can you do with the with the forward group? What can you do? Right. But let's break this down. Arvidsson's not back yet. He's going to be back on the road trip, it sounds like. So game one, I don't think he's going to be in there. I don't know what you can do. What would I do? There's a question later that I'll, I'll kind of maybe touch hmm. on, which I don't like doing. But yeah, so it's a wait and see thing. I, I will say this, though. I do believe this potentially could be a big enough change to have a positive impact on the team. Mm -hmm. And it, it, so, it could it could be something simple as just hearing it differently, being right. spoken to differently, maybe just tweaking one or two things that he's seen, that he believes in, stuff like that. So I do think right. potentially there is enough in Jim Hiller and his experience to have an impact, a positive impact. I, I'm i not in any way disagreeing. And in fact, I would say that more so than enough in Jim Hiller, there's enough in this team. This team yep. has the horses. It has the ability. It has the roster to be better than what it has been. Do I think they're the team that went 16-4-4 and or whatever they were in the first 24 games? I think they were overachieving in that situation but they're certainly not the team that we've seen in the last 24 games either. So the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I'm hoping it's a little bit that there's ways to get closer to what the first iteration of the team is. And I think with that in mind, and also not for nothing, the fact that yes, they fired Todd McClellan, but Hey man, they were paying him 5 million a year and they just re-upped his contract and they were and they're still on the hook for giving him that 5 million. I don't exactly think that Rob Blake had carte blanche to just go out there and right. call 
Bruce Boudreaux or whoever off the sidelines and be like, come on down, buddy. Not saying that like he went the cheap route, but I think he had to consider that a little bit that he couldn't just hire another big name, big money coach immediately in the middle of the season and maybe decided that the best option was to go with a familiar but slightly different approach. And then, you know, on top of that, Jim Hiller goes and then hires DJ Smith shortly afterwards to be his assistant coach. And I'm not exactly sure where DJ Smith is going to fit into this hierarchy. I don't know if it's going to, he's going to take over the power play or what his role is yet. I'm hoping that tomorrow, I think they've got an introductory press conference. Perhaps that will come up because at the time when Blake had his press conference, it wasn't announced yet. In fact, this is this is another kind of like stupid Rob Blake answer thing that I don't fully understand because he played completely coy and was like, we're going to spend the next few days and there's some candidates we're looking at. And almost like before <laughs> yeah. the press conference is over, it was like Elliot Friedman's like, yeah, it's DJ Smith. DJ Smith got hired. DJ Smith is going to be there. And it's like, OK, I don't understand why you're playing coy about something like this. I, I don't. Yeah, it is strange. I, it, it wasn't an official Kings announcement. No, but like but... everyone leaked it. Every exactly big name reporter exactly. had it within minutes, so that was exactly yeah. which is weird, but it's fine, it's whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I think you have to consider all of those things as as to why they brought Jim Hiller on. Jim Hiller's a big analytics guy, he did uh start up his own analytics company, so I do think that he's looking at these things. He's not just eyeballing it and going with gut on a certain things. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe he does look at it and go, you know what? I've seen enough here with the idea of having Clark and Spence out there that it's worth me gambling on that. It's worth me trying it for a game or two and seeing if that works out or, or he sees something else or he sees some other combination that he's willing to try on the offensive side of things. Because as Blake himself said, when he was asked, what's what's been going wrong with this team and he's like well the offense the defense and the goaltending have all been pretty so i mean that's that's everything that's everything and so it's a tall ask man i think it's a tall ask to ask a guy who's never had any nhl head coaching experience to come in and hope to recapture what this team was in the beginning of the season but i do agree with you that there's enough there between both how the roster is made up and the familiarity that Hiller may have with the roster to garner a little more success, get a little hot going into the towards the tail end of the season. Because as of right now, the Kings are still in a playoff spot. If you look at the strength of their schedule and what the other teams have to contend against, their chances are still extremely solid for getting into the playoffs. But that's not considered a successful season at this point. It's it has to be at least a first round victory, I think, for this to be considered a salvaged season. I don't think, you know, getting 95 points and making it into the playoffs, anyone's going to look at this and go, Rob Blake did it. Jim Miller did it. Give him another. I, I don't think that that gets you anywhere where you need to be for all the moves that you made up until this point. Right. Because for them to make the playoffs, it's not going to take some historic run. No, or some some kind of, you know, you could have a well, historic. They already run had the historic. And lose run. to Colorado. exactly. <laughs> they had you could the have historic a historic run. run and lose to Colorado, and maybe you'd be like, all right, well, you know, we ran into Colorado. What are we going to do? Yeah. Um, right. But this is not the case. Like you're, it's not going to take. All it's going to take is above average hockey, probably, to get into the playoffs right. at this point. Um, so we'll see how 
Jim Hiller does. DJ Smith, I'm not going to overanalyze a second assistant hire. Like a lot of people on online are like, fire everyone, fire Rob. I can't believe you brought in DJ Smith. It's like, dude, come on. Like, it's a second, it's like a second assistant hire of a guy who's really liked around the league. Let's see what happens. <laughs> it's fine. Let's not overreact to DJ Smith. Interesting to see what happens with Artie Kaliev at this point because mm-hmm. Rob was Rob Blake was asked about Artie and he didn't really reveal much in terms of him wanting to move out of LA or anything like that. He just kind of mentioned it's been a tough season. He's got to be better. Classic hockey stuff. Can't be mm-hmm. happy when you're out of the lineup. So I am curious to see if if Kaliev gets a chance under Hiller. If there is a difference, right? Like those are the things that are interesting to me. We know is benching art or putting Artie Kaliev in the press box a coaching staff plus GM decision, or was it strictly something Todd McClellan saw that forced his hand to not play Artie Kaliev? Like those are the things we don't know. We're only speculating right. on. Curious to see if any of those things transfer over to Jim Hiller or is it's something that Jim Hiller himself had input on, which we might never know. But if Artie Kelly is sitting for another five games, I think there's your answer right there, right? Dubois is going to be, look, everyone's going to look at Dubois now and just see if there's any change in his line mates and his deployment and his placement on the power play. I think everyone's going to look at that and if there isn't, I fear for the backlash against Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, which is already catastrophic all across the board. So those just little things I'm I'm looking at. You know, maybe it's a good thing they've got this bye week. Maybe it's a it gives them all the time to digest. It's not one of these coaches here one day, not the next day. It's someone different behind the bench situation. Um. I'm going to go back to this, and I, I don't know, and you might call me crazy, but we complained a little bit about how weird the schedule was stacked for the Kings and how much spacing there was between games leading up to December. And the one thing I will say that really did not help them at all during this terrible, terrible stretch was just how many games there were and how much travel there was, and how little time there was to actually get a couple good practices in and maybe give yourself a chance to pull yourself out of this tailspin. I'm not blaming, I'm not saying it was the schedule that brought this on. I'm just saying that had it been a little more evenly distributed, maybe, maybe there would have been an opportunity there for the team to kind of step back a little bit be a little more analytical, get out of their own heads with this. But sometimes when you're playing game after game after game and then traveling and doing this and that and the other, it, it feels like you're just stuck in this groundhog day kind of situation. Yeah. Right, right. And I I, I still think it's, it's absolute bullshit, the schedule that they've had to deal with up until this point. And I think if I was personally... I know Todd's been very gracious and very gentlemanly about this when he's been asked about this and said, well, we're going we're gonna to get our games in January. It's good for them to get the rest. But all you have to do in my mind is look at the drop-off in Cam Talbot's play and 
and just having that many games and then you you lost Copley and you brought Riddick up, I feel like we've had this lingering question as to whether Kopitar's hurt or not and they still keep kind of going back to him over and over again and playing him 20 minutes because no one else is really available to step up and play his game that way. I think if they had just had a more reasonably balanced schedule, maybe there was a chance that you don't end up having this kind of horrific January. Just a thought. My my own little conspiracy theory there, if you will. Absolutely fair. I think between St. Louis and Nashville was the first time since Christmas that they had multiple days off between games. I think that's correct. Um, and they won. <laughs> but they won off two days rest, but certainly it wasn't the rest right. <laughs> or their play that that got him that win. So I think that's that's fair. And I think let's look at that as an optimistic take on what could happen moving forward. How about that? You can have I'll right now it. you have good practice. You have the bye week on top of the all-star break. Much right. needed, especially for guys like Kopitar and Dowdy, obviously, who are continuing to eat up huge minutes. Guys went to Cabo. That's great. <laughs> Lay on the beach. Don't think about hockey. That's that's a positive. We'll, we'll take that. Uh, come back to work now, tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this today, Jim Hiller's availability will have been out. You'll get it probably a first look at any lineup changes. Mm-hmm. Like we said, Victor Arvidsson not expected until the road trip, according to Rob Blake. Blake Lazat, apparently. I don't know what's going on with Blake Lazat because <laughs> it was a very weird Rob Blake uh, I don't know, bipolar answer. I don't know what to call it. Like talking out of both sides of his mouth, like saying. I, I go back and forth as to what's better. Dean Lombardi answers that just go off tangents that make no sense and then you forget what the question was that you asked him or Rob Blake answers that answer something but don't really answer something and make you wonder whether you even got an answer they're very lawyer-like answers in my opinion they are and no offense to any lawyers out there my sister's an attorney too so that's fine I can say that yeah so I don't apparently Blake Lazad could go on LTIR right but he's also just not skating at the moment. So why wasn't he on LTIR before? I'm not completely sure. I always assumed this because they thought that he was going to come back before the 10 game or 30 day mark. And I think we've, we were told today that it was eight games and 24 days or something to that effect. So I don't know if they're still holding out hope that he's going to make it back by the 10th game. And that's why they didn't do it. But I think if 10 games comes and goes, they're going to be kicking themselves for not having put him on LTIR and getting that gap relief that they desperately need. Um, it, Arvidsson's back and skating, still ways away from making it back into the roster, though, provided there are no further setbacks. Um, yeah, I... Again, someone I think asked him about the trade deadline and what could happen between now and then, which I have to look and see exactly how many games are there between now and the trade deadline. But I certainly don't expect them to be buyers. 
at the deadline. I think they're holding out hope that Arvidsson coming back is there. No, you need money to buy. This is America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But But, uh, the road trip, by the way, is on the 13th. So that's that's when they're projecting Arvidsson to be back. On on the road road trip? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. 13, 15, 17. Well, and then 18. That's a four game trip. And well, I I guess I'll believe it when I actually see him. Like, that's fair. He skated alone. That's all I've seen him do is skate alone. He hasn't even skated with a team in a non contact jersey. So, so he is expected to be in practice today by the time you're listening to this. All right. Joining the team full. Well, I don't know full. He might be in a non-contact again. I don't know. That would be that would be an impressive turnaround <laughs> to go from I'm skating by myself one time and all right guys, let's go contact. It's been it's been more than one time. It's been more than one time. You know time. what I mean. He, he's been skating this that entire long road trip. Hmm. It's just no one was there to report on it cuz no one went Got to it. the rink. <laughs> no one uh, went to the rink. Yeah, so he's been skating. So if he joins practice today and He's in a full contact jersey. Then the road trip projection lines up. So, let's see, man. Let's but, see. Uh, I think anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Alex Turcotte. There we go. Happy thoughts. Blake Lazat down. Alex Turcotte up. Two games he played. Both games he played very well. Yep, looking like a gamer, man. Looking like, like a gamer. Looks like the guy. Well, I shouldn't say that because he was more highly touted than, you know, a bottom six forward. But kind of looks looks like the guy that we expected to see when we drafted him a little bit there. I I think I think what we're seeing are innate things that players get drafted for that don't get lost necessarily like he has had a horrific intangibles exactly thank you he's had a horrific injury history that has set him back that has dropped him on the depth chart that has dropped him on the prospect depth chart but what you see out there is the tenacity is still there the positioning is still very much there the hockey awareness is still there the will is still there and his game against Nashville in particular was was just a terrific example of all of those things. The smarts, the you know, you, you can't teach smarts. And it's very much there. And in a way, I was I was so happy to see him have that game. And in another way, I was again, I was sad because I was like, man, this poor guy. Like yeah. this what he should have been? been doing this. Right. Like he should have been doing this two seasons ago. And it's just super unfortunate. And I, I, all I can really hope is that he keeps getting the opportunities and he's able to stay healthy. Um, yeah, concussions are a tough thing, man. It's it's not something you can you can work out and you know make your skull harder or whatever. You know what? Like, there's just no way. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Like when I first when he first got into the lineup against St. Louis, my first thought was, oh man, now he's in the NHL. Like harder hits, like right. I'm scared, right. But the more I thought about it, I the more I convinced myself, I guess that 
hits like that are actually less likely in the NHL than they right. are in the AHL. And and you know this, the lower you go, right? Oh, the yeah. lower you go in, in um level of league, the more stupidity you see, the more recklessness you see. Um because guys because I are don't just, think I don't yeah, the ability is not there. Like the ability is not there, and guys are like still holding on to this hope that like one day, they'll dr their dream of the NHL will be realized. And I got to make this hit right here, and I got to make it hard right, right here because right. you know, scouts are watching or this, whatever. Right. So, I've convinced myself that he's safer in the NHL than he is in the AHL. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Plus, Andreas Englund's not an opponent at this point. So that's, that's true. all very that's helpful. That's very true. Yes. I, I I was happy to see it. I'm curious to see, obviously, what happens now if Arvidsson truly is back in the lineup. Lots of questions as to who's going to stay, who's going to go, who's coming up, who's going down. Nothing is certain here. Nothing. It's... I, I don't know. I, I don't feel excited. I feel nervous in a way. There's just so much that still has to happen that I think I was excited at one point in this year and it's just kind of faded now and I'm I'm tired <laughs> in a lot of ways. Very natural. Very normal. Yeah. Um, but Vardy, there is a Kings player on 32 Thoughts who spoke to Elliot Friedman. Mm -hmm. And said, you are giving up on us too early, Elliot Friedman, which is weird to say that to Elliot Friedman because I don't think he he ever said the Kings are done or anything. But Right. It was probably Dowdy. It was probably Dowdy. But I will say, whoever it was, with our luck, it was Jad. But whoever it was, <laughs> I like that. I like that because that's not a situation where you have to say that. That's That's not a situation where you're in front of cameras or in front of mm -hmm. the media that to me sounds like a quiet moment mm -hmm. where maybe someone saw him and just walked up to him and said it, which makes it even more clear that it was probably Drew Downey who said it. But you know, now that you, now that you mention it, another thought randomly came into mind and it could have been Cam Talbot. I mean, the only guy who was really yeah, around that's a good one who was during, during the all-star break. And in a way, if that was Talbot, I actually, I'm more intrigued because that's a guy who's, you know, he's he's kind of a quiet, confident guy. He's been on a lot of teams. Like, that's the type of thing that I expect Drew Doughty to say, and I don't think twice about it. But if it was someone like Talbot who just happened to be around the media and could have said something like that, I respect it a little bit more. Well, of course, you have to consider the source. Yeah. It's very right. important. No offense, Drew. <laughs> and then the other Elliot Friedman thought was apparently that DJ Smith was was being considered to potentially coach Canada during the World Championships. So in case you're wondering, it, it seems like at least DJ Smith's stock hasn't fallen so terribly that he needed a assistant coaching gig to to salvage his career or anything like that. Sounds like he's he was still very much on people's radars because again, DJ Smith had a terrific reputation as a person, as a human being coming out of Ottawa. I think he underperformed with that roster, but clearly that roster's got its own issues too because now they've had a coaching change and wouldn't you know it, nothing has really changed. Which again, goes back to this idea of, 
oh my god look at Edmonton they switched their coach and now they perhaps Bro, that Edmonton goes back was to what not I was saying. That yeah goes back to what I was saying about your top players get your ass fired, man. exactly exactly That's exactly what happened in Edmonton. right Dreisaitl and McDavid could only muster up like a point each a game. right Okay. Skinner couldn't stop a goddamn bowling ball. And there you have it, man. Coach gets fired. That's what right it comes. It wasn't because of Derek Ryan. right Right? It wasn't because of Holloway or it wasn't even because of Evander Kane. Like it was because of those two guys and their right goaltender. And that's it. right So hopefully this rest helps their old bones. Because Kopi looked like respectful. he was struggling he he yeah Respectfully. Like he looked like he was ready to just lay down for 10 straight days <laughs> and just no one talked to me. I'm just going to lay here right until the next practice. anything else we want to we got the mailbag mailbag We went got, yeah, mailbag we got a lot got of questions hot today. today And, and that's, yeah. And I like these. Uh, West Coast hockey it's a nice bias. mix it's a nice mix It is. West Coast hockey bias. Uh, very popular man on Twitter these days. <laughs> Tip of the cap to you, my friend. or should I say ha 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 you see Oh, that's what I did right. there Are you related to Murray Bannerman? And if so, do you have his legendary mask? <laughs> Yes, he is my grandfather. we come from a long line of better men <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, obviously a joke and a funny one because that's a badass mask. I'll tell you that. Lieb Mentor, shout out to Lieb who's always interacting and with everyone actually. He's Yeah. quite, he's becoming quite a presence on King's Twitter. Now that we're allowed to dream, what's one dream line and one dream de-pairing that you love to see the Kings try? Um, I think de-pairing, I don't know if, if Spence Clark is a de-pairing that I want. I just kind of want them both in the lineup to some degree. That's Uh Yeah, really, yeah. that's really all I want. Um, I would... I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, line. How about I do an offensive pairing? I would like to see. Mm, I was I was thinking along the same lines. I would like to see Quinton Byfield and Pierre Luc Dubois. We're we're this is just symbiotic brainage here, man. That's You exactly know what I'm saying? what I thought too. Best buddies off the ice. That's right. Probably Let the the friendship type. bracelets roll wild. Like, I think the type of player that would really benefit Dubois because he's, listen, PLD, he's a lover, not a fighter. He's not going to go, he's not going to go muck and grind for you too much. But I think Byfield's puck pursuit, Byfield's ability to, to dig out loose pucks, knock guys off the puck and make plays. And with Dubois constantly, again, this goes back to my, my thought, and I still believe this, that That Dubois is like really into the X's and O's, and it's maybe paralyzing him a little bit here. I think he's trying to run the system too fine. He's always trying to be F3 because that's probably what is asked of him to be F3, to be high, to be the first man back. So if he's higher um, when the Kings are actually forechecking, he could benefit from a guy like Quinton Byfield. And off ice chemistry doesn't always translate to on ice, but man. Right now, I feel I bet you Pierre Luc Dubois feels like he's on an island and he needs a buddy. 
Can't think yeah. of a better, and I, better one than Quinn and, Byfield. And, and I think you've you've seen that Alex Leferrier could work on that top line. They've tried him on that line. And so if you were concerned about pulling Byfield off of that line and who takes his place up there. I'll tell you I, who. Well, he's he's not back yet, but he's coming. He's coming. <laughs> he's coming. Arvidsson, Kopitar, Kempe. Fine. I'm okay. I only the only reason I don't say that is because I was kind of hoping it would go Arvidsson, Dubois, Byfield. That would be something I would enjoy as well. But I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. The only you reason go. I go there is because that's what Todd McClellan went to. In game one, <laughs> no, it was game six, I believe. Oh, 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 oh of playoffs. Of I the playoffs. Like... Yes, yes. No, yes. no, no. Of the playoffs. Not we don't. I don't know if it worked. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who scored the goals for the Kings that game. Fiala had a power play goal. Kempe had a power play goal. That anyway, wasn't the uh... yeah. Anyway, all right. I was so anyway. anyway. So so. If the idea is that Andre Kopitar not hand picks, but has an influence on who's playing with him. Yes. And he allowed <laughs> Victor Arvidsson to play with him right. in a pivotal playoff game. Right. Maybe it's okay. And we know maybe it's okay. We've seen that Adrian Kempe and Victor Arvidsson have chemistry. We know this right. maybe it was strictly on the power play, whatever. They seem to have some chemistry. They can find each other. If Kevin Fiala has to be with Phil Deneau because Kevin Fiala is a defensive liability, you have to keep him there. Fine. Keep him there. Byfield, yeah. Dubois, Laferriere. I'm okay with that. It should be fun. Deep pairing wise, like I, I would toy with the idea of breaking up Dowdy and Anderson. Hard and not maybe to putting... at this point. <laughs> maybe maybe put Clark and Anderson together. That's and a nice one. Let Dowdy and Spence play together or Dowdy. I mean, I, I think you have to consider doing something different there in my mind. I think Dowdy Spence would work just fine. I think two right Roy Spence can't do it. Can't do it. End of the world. Impossible. <laughs> Never happened. I swear. I swear. If that's the reason why Andreas England, who's had the worst goals against of anyone on this team over this last two months. Is this, if this is the only reason that man is still on the ice, God bless him. I know he's a good locker room dude. I appreciate him punching faces, but the proof is in the numbers, man. Anyway. Yeah. What's next? Uh, Open blue Joe simply has a gif. This team will never lose again. Yeah. Shout out open blue Joe who hopped on the 50, 50 and 41 bandwagon. Oh, Joe, we had hope. We have, we had we have abandoned chip, Joe, on that. But yeah. you're still going strong, so I want to give you credit. He has 45 and 34 <laughs> in his user game, so he's he's counting it down. Thanks for supporting that cause. That's it is right. now your yeah. cause, Joe. And, <laughs> and, I, and I always I always appreciate a good Shorzy gift. I appreciate that. There you go. Yeah. Um, moving on to – this is a long name. ES8 hockey burner 11 LAK. Mm-hmm. If, if things go horribly and the Kings are out of the playoff picture at the deadline, who is getting moved and what moves are being made? I'm going to couple this with another okay. question 
from a prof space pirate at Han Ciolo. Mm. How long until PLD's NMC kicks in and how much cap should we retain to dump him? I'm I'm <laughs> bunching these together because it's they're inevitably forever tied, right? Like if if you're talking about who's gonna get traded and what are the moves that need to be made, the first person everyone's gonna think about is Dubois. Uh to answer the first question, Kings are out of the playoff picture at the deadline who is getting moved. The only logical answer is Matt Roy. Yep. I don't know if Arvidsson, I don't know. I don't know what value you're going to get off a guy who's just coming off an injury, who's been hurt multiple seasons now. I don't know. Maybe Arvidsson and Roy. Kaliev as well comes to mind. Kaliev, Kaliev comes to mind anyway. I know. <laughs> Playoffs or not, Kaliev's at top saying. of mind. Um, PLD thing, look, man, we said this. I've already put it very eloquently, and it, it it's actually very relevant right now when he said if – Todd McClellan and Rob Blake both get fired tomorrow. Pierre-Luc Dubois is still a member of the LA Kings. One down, PLD still with the Kings. <laughs> Two down, PLD still going to be with the Kings. Yeah. We're we're bordering on immovable at this point, even though that's not a thing anymore in the NHL. we've right. History has shown any contract can be moved. But I think after year one, I don't think you abandon ship on that quite yet no no i think it's it's a sunk cost fallacy in a way but i think they have no choice but to double down and keep trying to figure out a way to make this guy work because look man there's a 60 point player at a bare minimum in there we have seen this dude be that guy on two different teams his effort again unquestionably bad on certain games but there is a skilled hockey player in there who has delivered at this level for two different teams, one of which was a very, very bad team when he joined them, that being Columbus. I don't see a reason why he should be... I guess that's one thing I haven't, I've never said. I, I don't see a reason why he should be this bad. We've questioned effort, we've questioned this, we've questioned line mates. I don't see a logical reason why this dude, with all of his God-given ability and the points that he's put up in the past, why he should remain this bad through next season, whatever it is. So, again, you have no choice. You have no choice, but I have to rely on on that somehow. Yeah, but if you want I, a fun exercise, go check out the buyout calendar on. That's Cap not Friendly. fun. There's nothing fun <laughs> about not a, there's it. There's nothing. I'm just saying. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, Rudy Bobby asks, comes to mind. Yeah. But <laughs> Rudy asks, "Are we thinking positive now with the new coaching change? Trying, working on it. I'm not thinking negative. I'll put it that way. Like this, that was rock bottom, right? Like that was. It's yeah. You got the guy fired, bad. like. That's that's rock bottom-ish to me. So that being said, I fully expect to be curb stumped by the Oilers on Saturday. I I, I see, think it's too much. Oh rebuttal, rebuttal. Okay. <laughs> Here's something history has also shown. After a winning streak like that, you lose and it's mm-hmm. over and you relax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the Kings have a shot. Counter rebuttal to my rebuttal is that the Oilers always get up. The shit stomp the Kings. 
It's yes. one of their favorite things to do. That's <laughs> it's, right. It's to beat the kings. There's hatred. I don't think there's hatred. I think they respect each other. But there is a true rivalry between those two teams. So I just talked myself into nothing. But I, I'll, I'll leave it at... Um... If there is a game, dude, that you have to show up to for a yeah. multitude of reasons. Yes. It's the Oilers, reason number one. Jim Hiller now is your coach. He is, I don't know if he's deer in the headlights, but this is his first one, boys. Right. Show up for him, show something for him. Because Right. The the poor guy wasn't handed a game against against Columbus here or something. You know, <laughs> there's no easing and, into this. <laughs> and number three, if any of you like Todd. Little tribute game. And are upset that and you take it upon yourself that he was fired and you feel guilty. Good time to respond. So it sets All up okay. It sets up okay for the Kings. All right. All I'll leave reasons. it at that. Um, okay. We got Toxic Kings fan just says Turcot season. Amen. Hope so. Uh, Heroxio 4 says no way Lewis should be taking ice time away from kids, i.e., Cali of Turcot, Jad. Save him for the playoffs. Not the craziest <laughs> thought. Here's the thing if Arvison's healthy, and you're coming down to the situation where you might have to send Leferrier down. That's when I maybe say, "Hey, man, why don't you try Laffy on the fourth line?" Right. Where he'll give you good minutes. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully, someone else can kill penalties for you. I I will say that I think that Trevor Lewis's role in the improvement of the PK is grossly overstated. I think far more credit needs to be given to the goaltending actually making stops on the PK rather than Trevor Lewis and whatever he's doing out there on the PK. So anyway. Um, our friend Andrew Knoll asked us a question, Vardy. You ready for an Andrew question? I'm I'm prepared. You're going to like this one, I think. I do. Why did Juice come to the exit interviews wearing Air Jordan 1s with, new balance, with a New Balance jogging suit? Could that faux pas be manifesting itself in the form of his current scoring struggles? 100%. <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. I am... I, uh, I want... I am not... I think fan. he was wearing the lost and found ones. I, that And that's okay. There's no... There's, there's no... Some, if you're going to... Yeah, I think Chicago ones are the way to go if you're going to... Yeah, 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 yeah. Look... You don't mix and match like that. I think the term is uh, is politicking. I think is is one of the terms <laughs> out there. You just don't do it. When you're a multi million dollar athlete, you get yourself something that goes okay. Mixing New Balance jogging suits and and AJ ones. I mean, it's 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 that's a man who's confused right there. That is a man who cannot focus, who is gripping his stick too tight. Here's and, what I'm thinking. Can't think one way or the other. That I feel like Kempe's the kind of guy who just has Chicago ones and like nothing yes. else. You know what I well, mean? We've so, seen his closet. I mean, he's got some stuff. He's got some stuff, but I don't think, you know, I don't think he's a sneaker guy. I think he just He's a guy who has sneakers. <laughs> he just has one or two hype pairs, and that's yeah. you know, he's good with that. So Andrew, I'm gonna let him slide on this one. 
How about that? I will not, Andrew. We are torn <laughs> on this one. I am I am one hundred percent with you. I think he is he's lost in his head. Uh, okay. Anything else? Let me see. Um, here's we had someone interest- asking us about. Yeah, are you going to this one here? Man, Jan Shelton. Can you explain the difference between hockey leagues in terms of in terms of a hierarchy? For example, NHL, AHL, and then what? ECHL, OHL, Q. Uh, which am which are amateur, which are pro, which are better? Who's the most competitive? Okay, I'll try to do this as fast as I can. I'm surprised. I'm surprised there's no like flowchart out there for this. There has to be one, but okay, go for it. I mean, just the the CHL alone needs a flowchart. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so obviously NHL is the top league, AHL second, ECHL is the third mm-hmm. in the hierarchy of pro leagues. So these those are the three professional leagues where you get paid to play hockey. Then, so major junior in Canada is the CHL. It's the umbrella for the OHL, WHL, QMJHL, which are the top three junior leagues Correct. in Canada. Those are where most of your draft stock is coming from. Uh, a lot of the highest uh, drafted players and stuff out of Canada come from those three leagues. Um Which are better players? I think historically the OHL has probably turned out the best players. Uh, the Q I mean, you're, probably you're still third. Get, yeah. Well, you're still going to get your Crosby's and stuff. Of course, and, you're yeah. sure. I'm talking about sheer volume. Sure. Um, in the states, NCAA. The the QMJHL typically is a less defensive league, and so the scoring numbers are skewed higher. The OHL and the WHL tend to be more tighter checking defensive physical teams, and then you do have your NCAA teams as you mentioned in, in the US and you have a USHL as well, which I think mm-hmm. uh, kind of falls along that major junior route. If I remember correctly, I forget the age bracket that you have to be in, but it's, it's, it's grown in terms of uh, as a, as a prospect development league. Yeah. More um, you're seeing more and more players drafted out of the, right. I think like the they USHL. can play there and then they go, they can go NCAA. The ages kind of overlap. I have to, I have to look at it, but, Anyway, that's the long and short of it for you. Hope that helped. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's all of them. Thanks, everyone. Loved it. I was complaining about the volume last time. <laughs> they heard you. And they heard you I, loud and clear. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Keep them coming. All right, man. You ready? You ready to put this baby to bed? Are you, do you want to look ahead? Or do you want to just go to sleep? Um, oh, the schedule. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah go for like it. you mentioned, go for it. like we mentioned, Oilers on Saturday. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be there for that one together. Amen. Which is which is rare because Vardy's in San Diego, and he rarely well, hopefully, makes it down. Hopefully, some some fingers crossed that everyone's able to make it there. Exactly, and you can have the face to face with Andrew about the Jordan ones. Finally, that's right. That's really, right. You guys can hash it out together, and just stare at Adrian <laughs> just. Head shakes from the press box. Exactly. Um, Sabres, Devils, Bruins, Penguins is that four-game roadie. Sabres redemption coming. Gotta be coming to your town. Devils shell of themselves right now. I don't know if even I don't even know if Jack Hughes is playing or if he's back yet. But he didn't I mean, play the all-star game, so I don't know. And That's I don't think he time. played the first game back. Yeah. Um which probably means he'll be ready to go against the Kings. Perfect. Sounds right. 
And then Bruins and Penguins on the roadie to, to finish the road trip. Penguins, right for the picking. I don't care who says what. Not a great team. Very no. beatable. Boston. Gonna just let that hang in the air for a minute. That's right. That's right. But you got to get off on the right foot, man. No bit. It sets up perfectly. The Edmonton mm-hmm. game sets up perfectly for the Kings to turn this thing around. It, you can't ask for a better setup. Your home record sucks. Like we said, your coach got fired. Your yep. new coach needs you badly. Oilers just coming off a loss. They're yep. going to be relaxed. The streak is not going to happen. They're due to averages say they're due to go on a five game losing streak. That's right. You got to come back so to the mean. Go. Everything let's, has to come back to the mean. Let's go. All right. Episode 114. Great. This is a doozy. This is a doozy with 30 players having worn this number. Oh, yeah? 30. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is nuts. This is going to take but, me time. Uh, you just got to bear gonna with me. It's going to take you time. It's going to take you some time, but there's plenty of familiar names there. And once you get to the point where you're just done with it, you let me know and I'll rattle all these off. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Justin Williams. Yes. Matthias Nordstrom. Yes. Brendan Leipzig. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to throw some wild ones at you. You got to be ready. Mike Camilleri. Yes. Well done. Yes. In his second stint. 15 games in 17, 18. That's right. Wasn't he bought out? uh, Was he bought out? He might have been. I don't know. know. Uh, One name between Williams and Camilleri. Is it a defenseman? Yes. It's Tom Gilbert. It sure is. Well done, sir. Oh, I'm feeling good. Now you're you're well in your wheelhouse. I'm feeling real good. Now you're well in your All right, so, so Nordstrom is the oldest one I said. Mm-hmm. Did I hit him all in succession there? Uh not in succession, but I mean you've got you've got, got the, the last bulk. five guys. Great. Yes. Great. You've got Great. the last five guys. Uh Tony Garando wore 14. Yes, he did in 1990. Came. Yes. Um Between Nordstrom and Granado is is actually not as easy as I. No, no, but there's there's names there that I know you you know. I'm gonna double check this one because the fact that you haven't gotten it yet makes me think that there was a number change. Okay, great. Nope, that's the one he wore. Wow, I should have that, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry. Give me something. 93 to 96. 93, 94. Very important. Uh, <laughs> Gary Shuchuk. Yes. Okay. There you go. Um, and then there's a man we've already talked about today. Today? Yes. You say. Yes. A lot. Jim Hiller wore 14. Yes. I'll be yes, goddamn. Perfection. Yes, Wasn't he 27? No. He was 14, 27. 14. He's got to have two numbers. You got to double check that. 14, 14, and 16. 
But for the Kings, he wore 14. And I think the photo I saw of him that showed him in his Kings uni was 14. Well, I have an image of him wearing a Kings jersey, number 27. Well, so, I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to search Jim Hiller 14 right now, and I'm going to try to find that picture. I'm calling okay. shenanigans on this. I don't know, man. It's there. Okay, just do me a favor and go to the twenty sevens yes. and check if no, he's I see in. The, I, okay, great. I see. Yeah, I see the twenty seven. Cool. It's weird. I don't know what to tell you. All right, maybe tell probably you. one game rookie season. Whatever. It's fine. Um. Yeah. Anyway, this is where I'm probably. What's weird exit. is when I click his name, it doesn't even list twenty seven. He's not as even a, a player. Anymore. I mean, <laughs> he's it's not just even very a registered strange. NHL player. No, it's just not there. I don't know. Very strange. All right. Anyway, well. Perhaps perhaps uh, hockey reference is wrong on this one. Anyway, all right. There's a couple names here that I don't expect you to get, but Whatever. one of these I can't even. Uh, you want me to just go through it? Yeah. Just just for these couple. So Kusty Car Carlinen, Kusty mm. Carlinen, Carlinen. Sure. Okay. Sounds Gord like Gord Walker a... in 1990. And then uh, there was Granado and uh, Jim Hofford and Dave Passan in 89. They both wore them. Uh, uh, and then uh, Bob Bourne, 87 to 88. Okay. Len Hackborn in 86. Bob Miller, not that Bob Miller in 1985, although I'm sure they had a laugh about it. Uh <laughs> Kevin Lavallee in 1984. Phil Sykes, 83 to 84. Billy Sykes, change the numbers, Al, these guys. <laughs> Al Sims in 83. Brian McClellan, 83. Scott Gruel in 80. Oh, my God. 1983 was just, wow. Did they even wash this it jersey, the jersey before these other guys? It was the Man. jersey, yeah. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Okay. Phil Sykes, Al Sims, Brian McClellan, Scott Gruel, Pierre Giraud, uh, Dave Gans and Blair Barnes all wore the number 14 apparently in 1983 at some point. That is just embarrassing. <laughs> it's not great. Just, just give them another number, guys, please. Uh, and then Greg Terrian in 81 82, Sill Apps, Sil like Apps. 1970 and 1980. Yeah. Dave Schultz, 77 the hammer. 78. One the hammer season, himself. right? You there you go. Uh, Frank St. Marseille, 73 to 76. Sounds Phil Hone, that's right. It does indeed. <laughs> uh, Lucien Grenier oh. in 1971 to 72. And the first ever number 14, Larry Kahn in 1969. Now, this is the tough one Jim Hiller. <laughs> it's the Jim Miller. It has to be. No, I'm kidding. I know this the is, answer. This it's is, not tough. This is it's not tough. I'm sorry. Isn't it? Nope. Okay, go for it. It's Justin Williams. Good. It's we're always going to be Justin Williams. We're, we're we're in agreement then. Love me some Maddie Nordstrom. And there's going to be people who are very upset with us about this. That's okay. But... That's fair. But it's Justin Williams. Hmm. Con Smythe. Once, once again, our hive mind agrees on this. Con Smythe, man. Two-time Stanley Cup winner. I, I wrote a little something when he was being honored um, on Twitter. I, I'm not going to be as eloquent as I was in that moment, but 
I don't think I've ever felt safer <laughs> with a player. Felt as it's going to be okay because we have Justin Williams. Mm. I, I don't think I've felt that about any other player. Um, it wasn't just his game seven stuff. You could tell his his leadership radiated. Like you could you could tell it came through the TV screen. And the one story I kind of told was when the Kings got eliminated from playoff contention in 14-15, they had to play one, I think one more game or maybe two more games, whatever. But it was a home game, the last game against San Jose. And the Kings won that game. It was fan appreciation day. And the Kings were happy, you know. God bless them. I don't blame them for that. And Kopitar came over to hug Justin Williams mm-hmm. and Justin Williams pushed him away and he was irate at the scene that was going on. And it's because Justin Williams is a goddamn winner in every sense of the word. That's, that's, that's why it's the Justin Williams episode because that's what this team is sorely missing right now. If there's one player from, mm. from that era a, that I, I could a, grab and put in the current like, Kings locker room. It's Justin Williams. It's not even, you know, 2012 Dowdy or 2012 Kopitar. It's not Richards, who was great. It's not Matt Green. It's not still. It's Justin Williams. I get him and I put him in that locker room without thinking twice. You know, what's interesting is circling back to one of the things that Blake said during that conference that he was actually very open and honest about was that in his own experience, he had felt that player to player interaction was the most effective thing in terms of pulling teams out of these situations. And I wasn't sure if that was a bit of like a dog whistle kind of thing to like Dowdy and Kopitar and the leadership group with the team that like, look, man, I'm doing my part. You need to do your part like i'm i'm switching the coach up and i appreciate you guys kind of saying the things you said but like this is as much on you to pull this team out of it as it is to put a new coach in there so that is that is a very interesting thought about you know a a guy like that in the locker room to pull them out of this might might be a little bit of what they're i don't want to say missing but a little bit of what Blake is trying to like tell these guys that they need to step up and be. That is a good thought. That yeah. Good He's also thought. a right-handed shot. So that helps. <laughs> not for nothing, not for nothing. <laughs> and, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm in no way making this parallel, but I remember when, when they drafted Turcot and it was always this discussion of like, it's not that he excels in any one particular skill. It's not that his his shots this, his skating's this, is that that dude is a gamer. That dude wins. That dude just... And at that time, it was always this parallel of like, he's the next Mike Richards. He's the next Justin Williams-esque kind of guy. You know what I mean? And so it is... Uh, it is an interesting time, and I do agree with you that the that the team certainly could use a Justin Williams-esque player right around now. Desperately. Desperately. 
I can't think of a better way to end that, man. That's pretty solid. All right. So let's see how this goes. Saturday. Saturday begins. How many games they got left now? What is it? 30? 34? Is it? No. Really? Is that it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That would be it. So 34 games. 34 games to see what's going to happen with this team. I think trade deadlines end of February, if I remember correctly. I'll have to look that up, but a couple 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 checkpoints here. And we'll be along for the ride, man. Uh Friday, March 8th, apparently. Okay, so that's a little bit later than I thought. So they've got a month. They've got a month to see how this thing goes. I again I don't foresee them dropping out of the playoffs. Uh because it, they've padded themselves enough of a lead where I think they're still going to be in contention. So I don't expect them to sell everything off. But uh, it's going to be an interesting couple months here to see how this all goes. So appreciate you all. Thank you for the questions. Uh, like, subscribe, comment. Appreciate all the reviews. As Carlos said earlier in the in the uh, in the episode, we got a lot of feedback for that last episode. Not necessarily like online reviews, but like people actually messaging us and telling us that like they really enjoyed that episode and. It's it's so appreciated to get that kind of feedback, guys. It really is. It helps us do such a better job and it motivates us to, to keep doing uh, what we're doing. So thanks, everyone. And go Kings, go.